This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. Consider becoming a Drama Victoria member today to take advantage of the many member benefits. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record. We record on the land of the Bunurong people. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are lucky enough to be joined by Lucy Angel to discuss all things Laban. This is the second part of a two-part episode. The first part was all about background to Laban, and this episode, Lucy Angel will actually take you through how to approach Laban when teaching in the classroom. Lucy Angel has been teaching theatre practice, drama and movement for over 15 years to people of all different ages, experience levels and across disciplines. Lucy is a certified Laban movement analyst, one of the few specialists working in Australia. She has delivered workshops throughout the country to artists, schools, theatre education programs and to health and fitness practitioners. Lucy brings an expansive and diligent knowledge of anatomy, physiology and somatics to her classes and sessions. Lucy Angel has also provided us with an excellent resource that we can use when listening to this podcast and when planning Laban lessons. You can find that in a link in the episode description. Click that link and that might help you when listening to this podcast or feel free to read it later. And we are lucky enough to welcome back to the podcast, Lucy Angel. Again. Hello, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. Uh, if listeners have not listened to the episode one, we strongly encourage you to go back and do that, where we you give a beautiful background and overview of Laban or Laban uh, and how to use Laban in the classroom and why. And you give some information about the effort and shape and space and body. Um, you give a great background to Laban and how you might go about using it. And today you're going to take us through an example lesson. Yes. Fantastic. Maybe maybe a mini lesson first and then a bigger lesson because I was just thinking about um, our maybe our primary listeners and there's an activity right at the end of the guidebook that I've posted that uses um, uh, shape and there's these and, and this actually is good for everyone I've used it in secondary too so like the fastest way to get someone to play with a change in character can be through using the shape forms and they're so simple they're pin wall ball and twist it's actually called screw but I find it's just easier to call it twist in the classroom for obvious reasons um, so Basically, you coach again the students through a pin. Uh, everyone make a pin shape. And yes, exactly what you want to instinctively do. It's any shape that has a narrowness and a lengthening and elongation to it. And then you say, great, can you make another one? And everyone will stand up tall with their arms by their sides and their legs together. And I'll say, great, can you make another one? Can you make one that's sitting or lying down? Can you make one that has a slight bend in it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you get all these varieties of pin. And then you do the same with wall and any wall shape has width and breadth to it and it's quite flat. So usually people spread their arms and I'm demonstrating as well. And I always say, you know, if you've got no ideas, steal one from me or someone else, we're gonna be magpies today. And then, um, Ball has a sense of roundness and curve to it. And that's the largest thing you would say about that shape. And twist obviously has some kind of twist to it. And then you can either take that in, put some music on and take it into a kind of 
rip off of a yoga asana and get call out a shape and get them to really breathe into the changing of what does it feel like to go from a pin to a wall or if you just want to get straight into character work you start okay well how does a pin walk and send them off around the room and get them calling out associations who is this where are they going what are they doing what job does this person have and yeah you just get this great immediate very playful way of acknowledging post how posture can be read from the outside and how it feels from the inside yeah what a fabulous introduction hopefully yeah. we've been starting talking about laban or laban and introducing some of those topics with the older year levels you could just yeah. do an activity like that and they can start talking about it and you can yes. get that pre-knowledge that and just find out if they've got any of that language already it's excellent and that's the yeah. mini lesson that's that that's that immediate introduction right yeah uh, yeah and i often don't uh bother telling the students where this comes from i just i just launch in with the activity and then obviously with the senior kids we step back out and we go all right let's write all those words on the board or they were already on the board so and i'll say don't worry about it too much but if you want to remember the words they're over there but just go for the embodied experience for now um and then afterwards we'll you know create our vocab banks and get a bit more analytical about it yeah, fabulous. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful lesson. I will certainly be stealing. I'll be magpieing that one. Great. Uh, thank you. And the word magpieing. Uh, so, <laughs> it should probably be bower birding, but I, I don't That's know. True. Magpie is more evocative. Absolutely. I'll take magpie. Uh, excellent. And do you mind taking us through uh, the other lesson that you were going to share with us? Yeah. So um, what I really feel passionate about is how the Laban system interacts within itself. So you know, at the risk of sounding a bit harsh, there's no point in doing effort language, doing the weight, flow, space and time if you're not going to do it from a place of embodiment. So I spent a lot of my time after I'd finished my training trying to figure out how can I coach effort um, less in a, still using visualisation, but less relying on sort of improv language and more using somatic language so that I'm cueing in a way that is hopefully helping the, the um, listener and the participant drop into an, a body awareness level. So this is this can work just from cold, but it's probably good to have done some kind of breath warm up or something to get them in their bodies or transitioned out of wherever they've come from before you launch straight into this. And then what I'm going to um, go through probably a little faster than I would normally um, for the sake of recording length is um, basically how I introduce the effort elements. So you have the four effort factors of weight, um, flow, time and space. And each of those has uh, two element words. So they're eight elements that go together. Um, and it does, you know, it can get a bit mind boggling. And so I acknowledge that for the participants to begin with and say, don't worry about it. Just if you come out of here with only a really strong embodied sense of one word, then great. And then you might come back to it and others will make sense. So for the sake of this uh, experiment, <laughs> I'm because it's a bit weird to do it without people in front of me because it's such a sort of experiential thing. Um, I'm going to do them in the following order. I'm going to do them in the order of time, flow, weight and space because time requires our breath, flow gets our spine involved, weight brings in muscle and force 
and space puts us out into the environment. So hopefully you can hear that we're going from sort of just a more internal place of just ourselves and then segueing out into being ourselves in relationship in the environment. So that's the sense of the progression. So I'm going to imagine you're all out there doing this with me. And I'd like you to just find a place to stand that you feel comfortable. And you know, what? I have to stand up. I can't do this sitting on my bum. So hopefully, Nick, you're going to have to interrupt me if the sound quality dips out. I won't go away, I promise. So come to a place where you're standing comfortably and just take a couple of nice deep breaths. And then when you feel the impulse to start walking, open your eyes and just start walking through the room. And as you're walking, just continue to pay attention to your breath and allow yourself to be in your own awareness. Don't worry too much about everyone else, just enough to not run into anyone. Keep noticing your breath and notice when your breath changes. And we're going to start to manipulate our breath a little bit. I'd like you to find a yawn as you're walking. And that's going to really have a little moment of slowing you down. Let your body respond to the breath of the yawn. Or maybe it's a sigh. Or maybe it's a groan. Oh. And feel how sighs, yawns and groans have this expansive moment where time slows down for a moment. And it, it, continue improvising with that. So as you're walking, maybe it stops you or maybe it lengthens a step. Oh, and then you keep going and you walk normally and then you stop and you yawn. Oh, and then you keep going and you walk again. And what we're experiencing here is sustained time, moments that slow down or decelerate. And then you go back to normal and then there's another moment. Maybe it feels like stepping into a lovely warm bath. Or maybe it's less pleasant. Maybe it feels like pain gripping through into your guts and making you cramp. And then you walk again. Sustained time. Keep walking and know that we're going to move into something else. And now we're going to manipulate our breath and have little explosions or gasps <gasps> or perhaps a ha, huh, a shock or a surprise. And why don't we play with interacting a little in this? Maybe as you pass someone, give them a little tap on the shoulder and make them jump and then keep going. Or maybe just imagine you just remembered you're late for something and you have to suddenly go, but then let it go and walk and keep playing with these explosive moments of sudden time, little gasps, little shocks, little speeding ups, because sudden time is about a feeling of having no time left, a feeling of rush, of acceleration. So you can improvise in that and see what you associate with it or what type of person it makes you think of. And then come back to standing and just take a moment to reset. As you're standing here, I'd like you to visualize your spine right from the tailbone all the way up through the center of your body, right up to where it meets the skull at the level of the ears. And let your spine lengthen a little as you breathe in and then rest back as you breathe out. Now I'd like you to bring a sense of rigidity to your spine. Your head and tail on either end will now have to move in complete unison because your spine is completely solid. 
and I'd like you to start walking with this very stiff spine. So if you turn, your whole body has to turn because your head and tail have to go together. And let this quality of a stiff spine or a holding or a control spread out through the rest of your body. So feel a sense of the muscles slightly on or your cells closing. Your skin is like a little armor on your body, a sense of containment. And notice how it changes your walk. It doesn't have to slow you down. It doesn't have to speed you up. The pace can be whatever it needs to be. But there's a sense of control, precision, holding. This is bound flow, holding everything in, not letting anything out, not letting any emotions out. And make it quite extreme, maybe so that it's almost hard to walk. And then back it off a little, but don't let it go entirely. There's still a sense of holding yourself in, a sense of musculature on, a sense of precision. If you had to thread a needle, you could do it easily because you are so controlled. Notice how it makes you feel, whether this is comfortable or uncomfortable for you. And then just gently to begin with, start to let your head go and let your tail go and let your spine go. So there's a little more fluidity. The head and tail don't have to go together anymore. Maybe start looking around the room and let your eyes turn the rest of your body. Maybe let your tail lead and turn the rest of your body and you'll notice your spine has become fluid like a fish as you move following your eyes or following your tail. And let that fluidity of the spine extend through the rest of your body now. Perhaps your arms and legs become a little more like spaghetti. You're still walking though, or it might be getting hard. And just for a moment, being aware of what's around you and not hurting yourself, really completely let everything go. It could be completely fluid, completely released. You are in total free flow. There is very little control, just enough to not hurt yourself or anyone else and let it completely release through your body. And you'll probably feel a sense of your breath moving freely, your emotions are let out, things would, impact, would affect you, you're not got any armor anymore and you're in full free flow. And I'm sure we all have associations or people or situations that this might feel like it fits and we might feel comfortable or uncomfortable here and we might have had enough and need to come back and bind our flow a bit to recuperate. And if you haven't already, please do that and come back to a sense of a little bit bound, a little bit free, just somewhere in between where you feel relaxed, maybe a bit more neutral because that was flow and flow is all about the level of precision and control, the level of emotion that's being let out or not. We're halfway through. The next one is weight. We're going to need our muscles. So for a moment, I just want you to bring your hands to your core and give yourself a little massage, right? And when I say core, I'm gonna mean below the belly button, right through the pelvis. So. Rub the front of your belly, below the belly button, feel the bony landmarks of your pelvis, round through your lower back, really wake up your core. You can start to move a little bit while you do that and feel a sense of where your center of gravity is. And then you can come back to standing and I want you to feel that center of gravity quite powerfully 
extending down through your legs into the floor. And sometimes I like to do this with a bit of sound because we're getting a bit more force behind what we're doing. So uh, it usually makes everyone laugh, which is fine, but you're going to do a sense of sending your weight down through the earth, which looks like a little bend in the knees and a press through the body into the earth. And your hands can do the same thing as if they're pressing the air down in front of your center. And the sound is a huh, 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 as if you're pushing everything down into the center. So you can do that for a while. And then you can take that for a walk and you can probably feel how it's already changed my voice. And there's a sense of chest resonance and fullness in the intention of my voice now that I'm playing with strong weight. You can find a wall and press into the wall. When you press into the wall, make sure you press your feet into the floor as well. You need full core engagement and your muscles should be on. This is gonna get a little tiring in strong weight because we don't use it when we don't need to. And then walk around the room again. Maybe get your huh back if you need to. Notice whether you've locked out your knees or your hips, because if you have, you've lost some force through your legs. Maybe find someone and press hands together and see if you can gently press each other across the room, pushing through your legs, or just shake someone's hand and notice if you can feel their center and feel the sense of their feet connection into the floor as you shake their hand or say hello or just walk through the room. And if you're coaching right now or even be aware for yourself, just check in. Are you engaged and alive all the way through you to the end of your fingertips and out your head and tail? Because if you're not, the audience is not going to believe the fullness of your strong weight. Weight is about intention. So the last thing we'll do here is go find something to pick up, preferably something uh, like, like a jumper, your hoodie or a school bag, and go and get it. And as you go down to get it, feel your whole center and all your body go down to pick that thing up and gather it up into your arms and then put it down again. And try doing that a few times and check yourself. You don't have to go fast or slow. You can do this at any speed. Strong weight doesn't have to mean fast. So notice the things that you accidentally do together and see if you can prize them apart. And then come back to standing and bring your awareness back to your center of gravity. Maybe you wanna give it a color. And now start to feel it lifting and rising up through your, through your chest and maybe even out the top of your head. Don't lose your sense of your spine. Don't collapse or go floppy. We still have muscular intention. And feel it rising at the top of your head and now go for a walk here. And probably, hopefully, your feet, your footsteps on the ground are a little more delicate, a little lighter. They still have intention. Your fingertips are still engaged. And you're walking around the room in light weight, a sense of buoyancy. You still have intention, it's just more delicate. There will be times when this is necessary. Go back to your bag or your jumper and pick it up again with a sense of holding back your mass or force. Still doing it with all your musculature but not throwing your center of gravity into it. Hold that back and pick it up. And maybe it's transformed into a baby or a feather, something that requires delicacy. 
and put it back down and walk again and maybe shake hands with someone again. Not limp, you're still there. You're still fully in the handshake, but with a sense of holding back light weight. What, would, what moment would this suit? Who is this? They could still be a very powerful person. They're just doing it with more refinement perhaps. And then come back to neutral. And if you haven't already at some point in this improvisation, maybe give yourself a little shake or rub your eyes or have a little moment because we're feeding the body with so much information right now. And we've got one more and it's the one that really puts us out into the environment. So we've looked at time, flow, weight, and now we're arriving in space. And space is all about your attention. So if you haven't got your eyes closed, close your eyes. And for right now, just pay attention with your hearing to one thing, probably my voice, but could it be something else? Is there another noise in your environment that you could pinpoint your attention on and try and block everything else out? And now switch it, try and hear everything, everything all around you, your heartbeat, your breath, my voice, the hum of the heating or cooling, traffic outside where you are, try and hear it all, all at once, expand your attention. And now switch again, come back to one thing, zone in, direct space, direct attention. And in a moment when you open your eyes, I'd like you to switch back to indirect, expansive attention, trying to, when you open your eyes, immediately take in everything. Ready, set, go. Try and see the whole room. Your eyes can roam, but they never land on anything. And if you haven't already, let that move you through the space now. And as you move through the space, feel a sense of widening away from your, the midline of your body so that your whole body is trying to take in the whole space all at once. If this was an improvisation, it would work to imagine yourself at the base of Uluru, trying to take in the grandeur that is so much bigger than you all at once. And now, whether you're improvising that you're in the bush or whether you're just in this room, find something to look at and only look at that and start to move towards it and narrow your body back into your midline. Focus your attention on that one thing, direct space. Now switch again, expand, open up, broaden, see everything all at once, overlapping, scanning, and switch. Find something else to look at. Really focus yourself. And of course, those things are going to be happening all the time. So come back into neutral and know that that was a lot. <laughs> and it bears repeating and know that the thing about effort is it's ephemeral and it's always changing so it is impossible to keep one effort one element going for a very long time it's just not human nature we are constantly switching between using direct space indirect space sudden time sustained time bound flow free flow but you've got some that feel more familiar or comfortable to you than others. I know that I like to live in strong weight and direct space. I'm really comfortable there. So if I know that and I know what else is possible, then I can play with other combinations to explore other characters.
and perhaps be better at recognizing what other people do. Thank you for going on this little ride with me. I hope it was helpful. And if you like the words, go and read them in the guide so that they make a bit more sense. Beautiful, glorious, wonderful. Thank you for taking us on that journey. Oh, I hope so. It's a little so strange clear. doing it like this. So I'd be really keen to get feedback on whether that worked. <laughs> People use it. <laughs> oh, I love an audio format. So it totally yeah. worked for me, but I feel I might be biased. Uh, <laughs> Quite possibly. But it's wonderful. You get a really clear sense of the kind of space and atmosphere that you develop and the kind of expectations and the kind of things you're saying and things that you're looking for. I think it was really wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing your practice with us. We are incredibly lucky to have had you share this lesson and, of course, give that wonderful background in the episode before. Thanks, Nick. And I'm really happy to um, provide more support if people are having a go and want, you know, just want to check, check in or get some more info. Wonderful. And what's the best way for us to contact you if we want you to run a workshop or want to ask you a question? Yeah, sure. So in the guide that will be linked, my phone number and email are there. Easy peasy. Perfect. Well, thank you so very much for your time today, Lucy Angel. Pleasure. Have a great day. Well, that is all for this episode of The Aside. Huge thanks to Lucy Angel for joining us for two episodes. She gave so much of her time and provided us with years of her expertise and as well as a fantastic document and guide to Laban, which I strongly suggest that you have a look at because it really is impressive what she's created for us all. There are a load of episodes in the bank, so feel free to go through those and find one that piques your interest. We have over 300 episodes now, and just recently we hit 100,000 listens. That's big news for a little podcast like us, probably one of the most niche podcasts out there, one just for Victorian drama teachers and students, and we're so glad to have the support of our weekly, monthly, or occasional listeners, so thank you very much. You can contact us by emailing asidepodcast at outlook.com. You can ask a question, we can answer it on a future episode, or you could also suggest a podcast episode. Huge thanks to Halebury for letting us record here to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening.